Good morning, everybody. Three days ago, I found myself standing in one of the most remote parts of the United States, the Elkhorn Bottom on an undeveloped stretch of the Little Missouri River in western North Dakota. I was just 50 years old. The only sounds I could hear were the rippling of the river, the twittering of birds, and the receding hum of the four-wheeler that had just brought me there. I'd asked the driver of the four-wheeler to leave me alone at that spot and to meet me a half a mile down the river in half an hour's time. This happens to be the spot where Theodore Roosevelt had his ranch as a young uh, would-be uh, beef, uh, free-range beef uh, rancher in the uh, mid-1880s. Uh, mid and I wanted, as all biographers do, to spend some time communing with the past. I stood there making notes and photographs, and then when I was through, I did what I had to do. I took off my shoes and my socks and my trousers, and I stepped out into the mud flats, and I rolled my shoes and my notebook and camera up in my trousers, and I put the silver cane under my arm, and I waded out into the river. And as I did so, by the way, the silver cane came in great useful. Great, it was greatly useful because the horseflies discovered halfway across that my thighs were getting wet, and this proved extremely effective in swatting them off, my hairy shanks. <laughs> but as I did that, and I was walking along, swatting myself with this cane with my clothes wrapped on my other arm, I thought to myself, what would Ronald Reagan say if he could see his authorized biographer now? <laughs> now, why am I telling you this, and why was I doing this? Because I suspect that if any of you young people had been there alone and looked out over that warm, brown, sliding water, you'd have probably done the same as I did. And why would you? Why should you have done it? Because the very essence of being young is to take delight in primary experience, the delicious sensation of doing something for the first time. It becomes more and more difficult as you approach 50 to do things for the first time, partly because you've done a lot of them already, partly because uh, you no longer have the interest, and usually because you don't have any more opportunities. The great British novelist Evelyn Waugh, who died in 1963, was overjoyed when World War II broke out because he was able to um, enlist in the army at the age of 36. And his friends said to him, Evelyn, why are you at this advanced age wanting to go and fight in a war? And he said, because all writers begin their careers with a certain amount of primary experience. That's their capital, their literary capital, and they begin to spend it with every book they write. And when it's all spent, their books become sterile. And he said, I count myself fortunate that this worldwide event has taken place which enables me in my middle age 
to get some more primary experience, some more literary capital. One of the joys of being a biographer is that willy-nilly in the course of research into another man's life or another woman's life, one is constantly being enriched by their capital, by their experiences. In the course of my career, I, for example, have led a charge of US volunteers up the slopes of San Juan Hill in battle. I've made love to an extraordinary variety of women. <laughs> and I've served three full terms as President of the United States. Now, Ronald Reagan never waded across the Little Missouri River. That was just um, an, an impulse on my part. But he did stand on the steps of the Jewish Memorial at Bergen-Belsen in May 1985 to deliver one of his greatest speeches. And so did I, five years later in May 1990, looking out over acres of low graves covered with brown and green heather, and there, for the first time, I felt, as he felt, the full, paralyzing reality of the Holocaust. I'm here to beg you to pack in as much primary experience as you can before you're 30, before the shades of middle age began, begin to gather in the corners of your lives. In a sense, this advice is redundant because you're, if you're 18, you can hardly help, you can hardly avoid having primary experiences. Practically everything you encounter now is going to be new. I remember my old piano teacher telling me when I was 18, um, one evening when I said, Mr. Dignes, I have to go, I want to go to that um, quartet concert tonight. And he said, why, why are you in such a hurry? I said, because they're doing the Schubert string uh, quintet in C major. And he said, have you, I said, oh, yes, I said, I've, I've never heard it. And he said, you've never heard the Schubert string quintet. And I said, no. And he said, I really envy you to hear it for the first time. Just as he envied me then, I envy you now. I envy you your first acquaintance with war and peace, your first glass of Chateau Yquem, your first sight of the Roman Forum, your first view from the top of Kilimanjaro, all the firsts that you are going to accumulate in the next few years. But even although these firsts are going to crowd upon you in your coming years, I worry less about the quantity of them than the quality of them. The melancholy fact is, and I say this with regret as an immigrant who loves the United States very much, the melancholy fact is that you're about to go out into the most boring country in the world. <laughs> Ever since that young boy in the white t-shirt stopped that tank in Tiananmen Square, Ever since the Berlin Wall bust open, America has been where it's not at. <laughs> I was talking um, recently to a young reporter from the Wall Street Journal called Jane Mayer, who just happened by complete happenstance to be in Berlin the night the wall broke. She uh, was visiting friends in, in, in West Berlin and said that after dinner, she got up to help her friend do the dishwashing, 
And while they were doing washing the dishes at the sink, they were listening to the radio, and over the radio came the announcement that the Berlin Wall had been opened. So with reporter's instinct, she dashed out into the streets. They were only four blocks from the Brandenburg Gate. And she said, when I got there, I was the only person there. And she said, I stood there for about 10 minutes in the emptiness of the streets, and suddenly from all points of the compass, I heard this roaring sound. And from east and west and south and north, young people came running, 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 and burst into the celebration which we're all familiar with on television. She was in the right place at the right time, but she said, oh, what a time to have been young. And she quoted that line of, of um, Wordsworth's, I think, about the French Revolution. Bliss it was in that dawn to be alive, but to be young was very heaven. Now, those kids who were flocking and celebrating to the most dramatic event in 20th century history since the end of World War II were West Germans and East Germans for the most part. And all over Europe since then, young Poles and Hungarians and Czechs and Romanians have been tasting the bittersweet wine of freedom, while you guys, if you'll forgive me, have been watching non-participatory TV and drinking Coke. <laughs> now, perhaps that's unfair because your very presence here at the Academy of Achievement means that you are not average Americans. But the fact remains is the United States has completed its revolution long since. We have freedom. To us, it tastes not like wine, but like water. It's something clear and abundant and ordinary. There was a great to-do in the New York Times last fall about a Midwestern school teacher, high school teacher, who, even though she had tears pouring down her face, was unable to make her students understand the meaning of the collapse of the Berlin Wall. And I said to a friend who told me the story, I said, well, isn't that what America's always tried to create, a generation of kids who do not understand what lack of freedom is? He said, yes, that's true, but uh, if you, they don't understand what freedom is, they're not going to be very much bothered if it becomes circumscribed. Years ago, a few years ago, there was a patriotic bumper sticker which read, America, love it or leave it. I would amend that bumper sticker now to, America, love it and leave it. <laughs> if I were you, I'd try and spend as much possible time over the next few years in the old world which has become the new world, in or on the borders of Hungary and Czechoslovakia and Romania, all those emergent, fragile, would-be democracies. Because the young people there need you to show them how to handle freedom, and you need them to see what freedom actually is. Uh, you will learn, for example, that freedom is quite terrifying to them. Their parents can make jokes about uh, communism being the road that led from capitalism to capitalism. But these young people don't even know what capitalism was and don't know what it's going to be. You can help them understand that. It's hard for us to realize that they're really terrified of it. Woody Allen's joke about the hydrogen bomb, you know what happens when one of those things falls off the table? They feel like that about freedom. You must help them as freedom explodes in their faces. And in the process, you will 
be able to come back to the United States and realize quite how precious the freedom that we take for granted is. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and young people.